Oh my god, can you guys be quiet? I'm trying to podcast. What the fuck is up, bitches? I'm back. Oh my gosh, thank you guys so much for being fucking patient with my ass because, you know, it has been a crazy past couple of fucking weeks. And on that note, I need a fucking drink of this truly real quick. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, right before we deep dive in to this week's fucking topic. You know, this uh if you listen to my last episode, episode was with uh my boyfriend Garrett, and we talked about how last minute we had to move right after the girls and I had just moved into his place <clears throat> a couple weeks later. So we are officially moved into this beautiful home. Um, There's so much room for activities. I could literally spend the rest of my life in this home. Hopefully one day we get the chance to buy it. But with that being said, I have been MIA the past couple of weeks, and I just want to say I appreciate you guys for being patient with me. Um, I know Garrett has been on my ass like, you have to podcast, you have to podcast, you have to podcast, and I'm like, Oh, I don't know what to fucking talk about. I don't have time to talk about anything right now. And, you know, I really just got to the point where I was like, quality over quantity, guys. Quality over quantity. I don't want to put out piece of shit fucking podcasts for you guys that don't have any meaning or don't have any, like, you know, something you guys can take from it um, without me doing some fucking research. I don't want to throw shit together. I want to take the time to make sure I have all my little fucking ducks in a row, not fucking crazy ass squirrels running around looking for a nut because that's what I've been doing the past couple of fucking weeks. So thank you for being patient. Welcome the fuck back. This is Lil T with the Unapologetic Tea Podcast and let's dive the fuck in, bitches. what I want to talk about this week, but um, I finally figured it out. Addison has been wearing this purple wrist plastic, you know, the purple little plastic wristbands um, or the wristbands that you get, the little plastic ones that always have, you know, some kind of awareness on them, right? We have, um, I think, pink ones for breast cancer awareness. Um, I see the yellow ones for Live Strong. Uh, you don't really see them as often. I think that they were really, really popular right at the end of my high school years, which was way too long ago. We don't need to have that fucking conversation. Um, but Addison has been wearing this purple one around her wrist recently. The other night, I was sitting. We were sitting down at dinner, and I asked her it, uh, where she got that. I forgot that the year that. Her dad passed away. Um, We went to the overdose awareness walk downtown in downtown Reno. Um, And so that triggered a little spark in my mind. Oh, what's the, what was the date on that? Because he passed away July 7th, 2019. Rest in peace, Jamie. Um, And shortly after he passed away was the overdose awareness walk. And I remember going on that walk and I was like, what was the date on it? So August 31st, um, was the anniversary for the overdose awareness day. Um, so you know what? I really wanted to take the time to make this one opening up a little bit about what I've been through, um, what I've witnessed with, uh, drugs and opioids and give you guys some facts and some, Um, insight on what we've kind of been through over the past few years since Jamie passed away from overdose. 
saying that this is a trigger warning if you are sensitive to uh, overdose, addiction, death, um, then this will be the time for you to maybe skip this episode, go back to the beginning, listen from the start. Um, if you are in it to hear our story, then that's great. I'm glad you're here. Also, secondly, I want to say, make this statement, this is a disclaimer, Um, I have receipts on all this fucking information. I literally have luggage bags full of court documents, I have death certificates, I have text messages, I have pictures, Um, don't come at me. Um, I know that when Jamie was alive, there was a lot of uh, uh, bashing on his end of me on social media, and a lot of people jumped on that boat. A lot of you guys might still be on his side. Um, A lot of you might be against me, but want to follow my story because you're just fucking nosy. Uh, I mean, welcome. I mean, a hater's still gonna make you famous. I really don't give a fuck if you're here because you genuinely care about me my daughters, my future, and our relationship, and the information that I have to share. Welcome. I'm happy you're here. If you're also here because you used to be a hater on me and you want to clear the air and hear my side of the story, welcome as well. Um, Also, remember, guys, this is from my perspective. This doesn't mean um, other people's perspective and views are different. This just means this is how I... Um, you know, went through things, whether it was Addison's dad or Westland's dad. Um, they were both addicts. Um, and so this is just my side of the story. So take it for what it is. Other people's views might be different. Um, but that just means that their experiences were different. Like I said, I have receipts for all of the information that I'm getting ready to share. So welcome to our journey. never imagined that my family would be the one uh, suffering from addiction or overdose or loss of a family family member, especially a father who very much loved being in his daughter's life. Um, Jamie and I were together at very young ages. We were together when I was 15, and uh, it was a very toxic relationship from the get-go. He cheated on me. It was He was narcissistic. He was emotionally manipulative and abusive. Um, he never laid hands on me. I can honestly say that. I'll just put that out there. Um, but I almost would have rather the physical abuse rather than the emotional, mental um spiritual abuse that was endured in the time that I was with him. I have known him since I was 15. He's probably one of the people that I've known the longest in my life. We were together for seven years. We had a beautiful baby girl and he was straight edge during the entire time that we were together. He never drank. He never did drugs. He ne- he was one of the people that used to beat up people that would drink or do drugs at parties and stuff. So it's actually saying a lot that our future, um, you know, a few years down the road, ended up being that he had overdosed. Before we jump in on this and what we experienced and what we went through, um, I am just looking at his uh, death certificate. He overdosed on fentanyl, mitragynine, oxycodone, alprazolam, diazepam, and uh, amphetamine 
intoxication. So he had one, two, three, four, five, six different drugs in his system upon the autopsy um, of his death. So um, let's just dive right in. So Jamie and I, uh, like I said, started dating at the age of 15. I got pregnant with Addison at the age of 18, had her at the age of 19. Um, Upon her turning two years old, I decided to leave him. Um, At this time, he was still sober. As to my knowledge, he was sober. Um, As time went on, two months into our breakup, him and his... uh, widowed wife now, um, had got together. They, uh, endured a pretty toxic relationship. Her and I went back and forth on being friends and not being friends. Um, I mean, I'm not even going to dive into all of that. Um, I want to say I first started getting wind of drugs being, uh, implemented into their lives when Addison was about four years old, I want to say. Um, if anybody knew Jamie, knew the manipulative, uh, narcissistic person that he was, he was very well known for, uh, making whatever he wanted a reality, a reality and convincing those around him that that was the reality. Uh, he made me the center of his social media attention. He took the attention. He was very good at taking the attention off of himself Um, On social media, he was very good at making me the bad guy, making me look like the asshole. And you know what? I'm not not here to say that I'm perfect, you guys. I'm not here to say that I'm perfect. I uh, had 50-50 custody of Addison when him and I very first broke up. And yeah, when she was with her dad every other weekend, I was out partying. I would spend my nights up in Tahoe. I would, uh, you know, spend my nights in the nightclub. I would... I was 22 years old. I had a baby at 19. I mean, I if I didn't have her, I was partying. And I still worked my job. And the weekends that I had her, I was taking care of her. I mean, that is what it is. You know, I'm not saying that that's the wrong thing to do. I think that if you're in the same situation that I was in, I think that's the best circumstances. She wasn't at a babysitter's. She was um, with her father, who I thought was able to care for her and take care of her while uh, he had 50% custody of her because every other week it was his responsibility. And every other week I was remembering who the fuck I was and going out and doing things. And that was a huge, huge argument between him and I that he would blast me all over social media for saying that all I do is party and I don't know how to be a mom and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, we had this argument so many times. What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to sit at home on the weekends that I don't have my child? Am I supposed to just stare at the wall while uh, she's at her dad's house? Oh my gosh, we had that argument so many times. Anyways, fast forward. I think Addison was about four years old when I first started getting wind of him being on drugs. Through the grapevine, through people, um, he would always brush it off and then turn me into the bad guy. He would always do the manipulation. Um, Okay, so you're going to listen to everybody else and not trust me. Um, And so I brushed it off for a while. I think Addison was six years old. The first time she told me, and by this time her brother was born, 
that she went to a doctor's office um, and Jamie and Amanda had to drink an orange drink. I believe it was orange. Um, and Ashton, her brother, and Addison had to stand on the wall and were not allowed to touch anything. They weren't allowed to talk to anybody. They weren't allowed to do anything. They just had to sit there while Jamie and Amanda drank these drinks. Um, later, coming to find out, it was a methadone clinic. Um, at this time, again, I did not know what he was trying to get off of, what medications he was on, but I had heard that it was pain pills. I didn't know exactly what kind of pain pills, um, but that's all I knew. I drove by the facility the same time every morning once I figured out where it was because kids talk and as soon as I had Addison back, we accidentally drove by there once and she was like, oh, that's where my daddy and Amanda go. And so I figured out where it was. I saw his vehicle there many, many times. Obviously that did not work out for them. One thing led to another. Um, I tried to take him to court. I ended up losing in court because, hey, a narcissist is really good at making you look like an asshole, and I couldn't afford an attorney at the time. Um, anyways, fast forward to, gosh, I don't know, she was nine when he passed away, so maybe the year before he passed away, uh, you know, he lost his job, lost his house, was living in a motel, um, Addison would vaguely tell me stories about how her and her brother would be locked into the bathroom while his wife and him were in the bedroom arguing. Um, all they ate was Hot Pockets and pizza rolls. And I didn't really know what was going on. I was going through my own divorce at the time. I was in a, the midst of a really nasty divorce with, um, you know, my youngest daughter's dad, who was an addict. Um, or is an addict. I don't know if he still is or not. I haven't heard from him in years. Um, and I was, I just had a baby. I was trying to keep my job. I was homeless. I was trying to focus on not losing everything that I had, including my kid. And I had even told my dad once my divorce is finalized, um, I'm taking Jamie back to court so that way I can get full custody of Addison because what's happening right now was not right. And I couldn't pinpoint exactly what it was. And the only thing that I can say to all of this is it actually surprises me how many people he had in his corner. Um, the man was a master manipulator. There is no fucking doubt about that. But the surprising thing to me was, was there was children involved. And that man made me look like I was the bad parent and had so many people believing it. And, uh, you know, there was plenty of people that knew that he was addicted, that he was driving high, that he was getting in car accidents with kids in his car, that he was living in a motel and shooting up heroin. And, uh, nobody, nobody had the balls to tell me to get my kid out of it. And I, that is one thing I always say, forgiveness always heals the heart. But one thing I will never forgive is the people this is a small town. Remember, I knew him over half of my life. So the people that he knew or knew him also knew me. One thing I will never forgive is the people that kept that a secret from me 
knowing that my child was in danger. I don't care how loyal of a friend you are. I don't care if you're family. I don't care if it was his parents, his brothers, his sisters. I mean, the day that he died, I still had his brother telling his mom not to tell me anything because it was none of my business. And I had to look at him straight in the face and say, does it even matter anymore? He's dead. And I'm sorry if that sounds harsh, but why are you protecting the addict? Why aren't you protecting the children? Look, I know we love people. I've lost loved ones. And I loved Jamie with all my heart at one point in my life. But when there's children involved, your number one job is to protect those children. And it's very, very, very disappointing to me that even his own parents protected him and protected his name instead of standing up against him just to keep the kids safe. Knowing that those kids, those children, were not safe. Those children who couldn't do anything about the position that they were in had to endure the toxic, drug-infested motel room, the fights, the not eating healthy because they wanted to protect his name. It's really sad. Buddy, hey, it is what it is. This is our reality. Addison lost her dad in 2019 due to overdose, um, and it took me 10 weeks to find out that it was actually overdose because nobody would tell me until I was able to pull the death certificate. This also just isn't about Jamie either. I also went through um, addiction very firsthand with my youngest daughter's father. He was secretly uh, hiding an opioid addiction behind my back for our entire relationship. It didn't come out um, after physical abuse, mental abuse, emotional abuse, money stolen, being left homeless. I mean, that's another story for another day, but I did go through that one very firsthand. Um, and this is a fucking crisis. The opioid crisis, it's an epidemic. It is insane. I was just looking up the st statistics for it. 130 six people die every day from an opioid overdose that includes prescriptions and it's absolutely fucking insane to me i don't know i mean we could speculate we could uh have our conspiracy theories we could have all of it but i think it's really good for all of us to have a little bit of knowledge and that's what i'm here to spread is that it's serious it's dangerous um, if you have somebody in your family who is addicted, Narcan should be carried regularly. I truly believe that 100%. If you're in a relationship with somebody who's abusing prescription drugs or non-prescription drugs, just get some Narcan. I mean, it's going to save them long enough for the paramedics to get there. Um, I mean, and you have to really, really, really realize that no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter what these people lose or where they go, nothing's going to change them. Nothing's going to get them clean. Nothing's going to get them to stop until either A, they overdose and lose their life, overdose and wake the fuck up, or uh, until they want to. Nothing can change their mind. I mean, I was talking to one of my friends who uh, went to 
AA meetings, and that's alcohol. I mean, I know alcohol isn't much better than, um, you know, a prescription pill addiction or, you know, a drug addiction, a heroin addiction. I'm not saying it's as bad, but there's AA for a reason. But he said just at AA that uh, this guy lost his whole family, lost his kids, and, um, you know, still didn't want to get sober. And, you know, what? he used to stand up in that AA class and he used to say, uh, people ask me all the time, how do you lose your kids and lose your wife and it's still not enough? And he said, I wish it was. I wish it was enough. I wish it was enough to make me want to get clean, but they're chasing that high. That's all they can think about. I mean, all the way to the point where if anybody knows Addison's dad knows he was somebody who always wanted the best of the best. Granted, he didn't always know how to work for it the way that it should be worked for. Might have been stolen half the time. Might have been his sold on the black market. Who fucking knows? I'm sorry. I Anybody who knows him knows that this is not a lie. Um, anyways, knows he would not live in a fucking motel with a wife and two kids. They know that he was way too busy putting up a front that he had a bougie-ass lifestyle that he could afford to live in a motel. But that's what addiction does to you. Addiction. Six different medications in his system. You get to a point. And not just that. I mean... It goes so much deeper than just addiction, too, if you think about it. It's uh, met, or drugs that are laced. I mean, I have plenty of people that I know that enjoy uh, doing cocaine. And guess what's being laced with cocaine? Fentanyl. And fentanyl is wiping out more people than not. And I wish I had more advice on if your spouse or loved one um, is addicted, what to do for them, but I really don't. I walked away from my marriage because he left us in a circumstance where it was him or the kids or him or me or, you know, I mean, there was many times I thought I wasn't going to survive the physical abuse. Um, you know, how many times can you be left homeless with two children? How many times can you try to get this man clean? I tried for, uh, oh gosh, six months to get this man clean. And my breaking point with him, I, I all I wanted was him to get clean. I, I tried so hard to get him clean and um, get him the help that he needed. And I'm talking about my youngest daughter's dad. And there was just nothing I could do for him. My breaking point was when uh, I was at work and he didn't have a job. We're finally starting to get back on our feet because I'm hiding money from him because he just keeps stealing it from me every chance he gets every time he knows I have money. And uh, finally getting back on our feet, I come home from work and Addison was five years old. And she is in the bedroom coloring on the walls with crayons. And he's passed out on the couch. Just totally passed out. I mean, I walked straight in the front door and he didn't even know that I walked in the house. Uh, sitting straight up. Not even laying down. Sitting straight up with the TV on. And uh, saw Addison coloring on the walls. And then I go in to check on the baby, my youngest daughter. And she's 10 months old at this time. And... Uh, she, her, I look, I look down at her and she looks really 
weird. Like her head looks weird. Like it's a weird shape or something. And I go to pick her up and she's burning fucking hot. She had a 104 degree temperature. I look at her head and her ear is so swollen behind her ear. It's protruding from the side of her head. I rush her to the hospital. She had a ear infection that infected the mastoid bone in her uh, inner ear, in her jaw area. Um, they had to do emergency surgery to drain it. They had to put emergency tubes in her ears, and she had to be on antibiotics, IV antibiotics, for five days. Guys, I was just getting back on my fucking feet. I'm the only one that fucking works, and... I have to sit in a hospital because I was breastfeeding at the time with my daughter who has to be on IV antibiotics for five days because he fucking almost killed her. Almost fucking killed her because he was high on fucking pills. Okay. And then to top it all off, once the surgeon comes in after she's had the surgery and he's talking to us about all of the things that he did how she did in surgery and the recovery period. And he's sitting in the chair next to me, passing out, passing out because he's so fucking high on pills. And I'm just trying to like nonchalantly kick him in the shin. Like, can you wake up? Can you wake up? Like, all I could think about is we're going to get fucking CPS called on us. Like CPS is going to fucking get called and I'm going to lose my fucking kids because of this motherfucker. You know what? That was the only wake-up call I needed. I fucking told him, get your fucking shit out of my house. I want you out of my fucking house by the time I get out of this hospital. I don't want to hear shit from you. And I knew the only way that I was going to get him out was because I was stuck at the hospital for five days. And I knew he wouldn't be able to beat me to death uh, because I was stuck at the hospital for five days. And I made sure his ass was out of the house by the end of that five days. Um, and then, you know, more stories for another time. But I mean, it was just a long spiral before it actually fucking ended. So I wish I had the advice on how to help somebody. I think that enabling them is the worst thing that you can do. I think that if you give them money, if you give them food, if you give them a place to live, it, it just, it doesn't help them. I think that everybody's rock bottom is different, but I think that they have to hit rock bottom before they care, before they want to come up. I mean, uh, you know, my youngest daughter's dad, after I kicked him out, he lived with his sister and then he lived with his parents. And then once everybody kicked him out, he was couch surfing for a little bit. And then once that was exhausted, all those resources were exhausted, he was homeless. Guys, he was homeless for, I want to say, over a year. Over a year he was homeless. And, you know, now I don't know where he is or what he's doing or what he has going on, but he still hasn't hit rock bottom enough to want to get sober. And losing his daughter and losing his wife and and losing his home and losing everything he's ever known has still never been enough for him to want to get sober. So I just truly believe that everybody hits a different rock bottom and all you can do is pray they start going up from that rock bottom before it ends them in a grave. And I hate to say that and I know that it sounds